The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. time came for Elizabeth to be delivered, and she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and kinsfolk heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have named him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, Not so, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your kindred is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness till the day of his manifestation to Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. the other persons in the Gospels, apart from, obviously, uh, Our Lady. St. John the Baptist is one of my favorites. He's such a profound uh, figure. And you can tell also uh, the fact that St. John the Evangelist is so taken with him. Obviously, after having been one of his disciples, uh, St. John really dives deeply into the ministry and the prophetic witness of St. John the Baptist in that first uh, chapter of his own Gospel. But here we're in the Gospel of Luke, and we're at the moment now, obviously, of uh, the birth of St. John the Baptist. And this has been a hidden mystery up until this point, a mystery that only Our Lady herself has participated in in this household. We know from the Scriptures it says, Elizabeth hid herself. She hid herself into this quiet and into this silence. We know also that Zachariah, up until this point, he has also been silent and quiet. And so it would have been this kind of silent, quiet, peaceful household in which John the Baptist has been growing in the womb of his mother. They have been blessed to have, in a real and very particular sense, the tabernacle of the Most High also in their home while he has been growing in the womb of his mother because Our Lady has been there as well with Jesus present within her in her womb. And so as the Lord and the Savior grew within the womb of his own mother, so John has now come to this point of his birth. And so Our Lady has departed, it says, and gone back to her home. And now John is born, and everyone else is brought into this mystery. And it says her neighbors and kinsfolk heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And that word for the rejoicing in the Greek is a great rejoicing. 
It is a longing for. And so what Elizabeth represents in her own self is the longing that has existed in the Israelite people, in God's people and the Jewish race. They have longed for the coming Messiah in the same way that she has longed for a child. And so because she is in her old age now and the Lord has shown mercy to her, her long wait and expectation has been fulfilled. And so now her joy is complete. Joy comes when we possess the thing that we have long desired. And the longer that we desire it, sometimes the more intense the joy. And so now she rejoices over the child that has been given to her and all of those who love her, they rejoice in her rejoicing. They rejoice with her. They all rejoice in the fact that God has shown mercy to her. And this is now an image of what is about to happen for the rest of God's people, is that the long-desired child, Christ himself, the Messiah, he is also about to enter into their reality. And so the cause for rejoicing will be even greater. But the role of John the Baptist is still necessary. Because as he says, he is always telling these people who are coming to him, I am not the one you think I am. He is coming after me, and he is greater than me. I'm not even worthy to untie the sandal of his feet. And so when someone says that, what is our expectation? Our expectation is a grand entrance, right? Someone who is coming that is even greater than John the Baptist. Maybe we expect all of kind of clouds and thunder as he descends from heaven. But the mystery is he comes in humility and hiddenness. And so the role of John the Baptist is necessary because the expectations of the Messiah were not right. And so when the Messiah comes, he has been living in their midst for a long time and the people don't recognize him. And the role of John the Baptist, the one who they think might be the Messiah, is to say, I am not he, this is the one. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the one who takes away the sins of the world. He points out the one who is greater than himself because it's not immediately obvious to their senses. And so John the Baptist and his role is very profound and important and fundamental for this moment of the incarnation of Christ as well. And so you have the way in which he's described, which I think is also very beautiful. And I think that that is profound when we think of it with regards to his birth. He is the voice of the one who cries in the wilderness. The voice of the one who cries in the wilderness. And as we've said before, what does it mean to be a voice? It means to be something that is at the service of the word. I have things that I would like to say, but I have to use my voice so that you can hear those things. And the voice carries the word so that you can hear it and it can be then in your own heart, but it doesn't leave my heart. And so it's this mystery of how the voice serves the word, that the word might be communicated to others. And that sums up the ministry and mission of St. John the Baptist in such a beautiful way. He is simply a person at the service of the Word incarnate, God himself. His whole life is oriented towards the Word of God, and the Word of God dwells in him richly. He is the greatest of the prophets because not only does he prophesy the coming Messiah, but he actually is able then to point him out when he comes. There is a fulfillment of his prophecy in his own life. You see all of this kind of these, this beautiful information with regards to the word at the point of his birth, and you see a progression of communication of meaning. 
The child is born, and it comes time now at the circumcision to name him. And so obviously his father, who has been struck deaf and dumb, is unable to perform the ritual because he cannot say and pronounce the blessings. And so he is kind of sidelined at this moment. And it comes time for the naming. And they say, well, he should be Zachariah, following a common tradition of naming after the father. And his mother says, not so. She says, he shall be called John. And then they eventually turn to his father, and they make signs to his father, showing that his father is not able to hear. So they have to signal meaning to his father. That is the first attempt to express, if you will, word. Then what happens is his father asks for a tablet, and he writes onto the tablet. He inscribes words into the tablet. And he doesn't say he will be John. He says his name is John because he will not dare to give a name to someone who has already been named by God. His name is John. God has named him. I will not then give him another name. And then after this writing down, then all of a sudden his tongue and his mouth are loosed. As soon as faith enters in, also then the word is now expressed with the most perfect clarity. It's no longer in signs. It's no longer written down. It is expressed by word of mouth. And so this is also an image, if you will, of what is about to happen for God's people. That the God who spoke through signs and wonders, that the God who also spoke in writing upon tablets for the law, will now speak through the incarnate word of his Son, who then is the full expression of the voice of the Father. And so as the father's voice is loosened in Zechariah, the father of the one who is the voice of the word, so also what is coming now is that the father's voice will be, in a certain sense, revealed and spoken in Christ, who speaks to us most clearly of the father. The father's word will be spoken to us now in the perfect way, which is the incarnation of his son. And it is John the Baptist who points out this mystery for us. We are called into an imitation of St. John the Baptist to become like him, to exist for the sake of the Word, to become voices for the Word, those who carry the Word of God, Jesus Christ, within us and communicate him to others for those who do not know him. Christ is still humble. He is still in our midst in a way that is not recognized by many people. And it is for us to proclaim him and point him out like St. John the Baptist did and as we continue to do in the church. After the moment of consecration, the hidden and veiled Christ becomes truly present to us in the Blessed Sacrament. And in those moments, we use the words of St. John the Baptist so that we can strengthen our own faith and carry that out to others. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Amen.